This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Monday, March the 18th. I'm your host, D.A. Selection Sunday last night, which means the brackets are out. Now we know what the field of 68 looks like. And the star, the story of said tournament is Zion Williamson. With his return to the Duke Blue Devils, the Dukies are the number one overall seed. And we start with a man that was on the CBS Sports Selection Sunday show, Seth Davis, who says one thing that gets lost in Zion's amazing dunking ability and highlight potential is how good a player he is. Let's start with WFAN in New York with Boomer and Geo, where Seth joined. We keep hearing about the Michigan State side, but how about the Duke side? We're the number yeah. one overall seed, and we got yeah. this team that should have been a one seed in our bracket. How about that? Well, as usual, Duke is getting hosed by you know the NCAA oh, referees. Stop, stop, and, you, and, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you went to Duke, and, yeah. you know. You, I did not. Nobody knows that. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't want to hear about Spill all this. The beans. You. All right, so let's talk about Duke for a second. Um, put into your words, if you can, your thoughts of watching Zion Williamson. Well, I'll be honest, Boomer. I'm a little late in coming around to Zion. I wanted to hold out. I wanted to watch him play. I saw him a little bit in high school. My feeling about the players like this is there's only so much that being physically overpowering can get you. Yet all these guys are physically overpowering in high school. Even in college, sometimes you can find someone who's physically overpowering. At some point, you've got to be able to play. And what I've been just astounded by is how much of a how, what a great player he is. It's almost like it's a shame that he dunks so well. Because that's all everybody wants to talk about. You miss his passing. They miss his court sense. His defense is incredible. This, I, you can make the case that this is the best defensive team Mike Krzyzewski has ever had. If you look at all of their numbers, not only are they in the top 10 of the country in efficiency, field goal defense, blocks, and steals, they're in the top 10 in the country in defensive free throw rate. So they're doing all this aggressively defending without fouling, and Zion's the biggest reason why. That's why, at the end of the day, they're my pick to win it all. They're a horrible three-point shooting team. Well, it, that's something that he's always had a good three-point shooting team. Right. And, it's always, and, and has lost yes. when their three-point shooting goes awry in a particular one of these, uh, you know, these uh, tur- tournament games or one of these uh, NCAA games. The thing for me that I see from this team is that they're still 18-year-old kids. Yes. And there is a level of inexperience. They did lose to Gonzaga early in the year. Yes. Uh, so I wonder if they run into a team that has a little bit more experience. Does that pose a big problem No them? question. If, if you look at the downside, it's the three-point shooting. Okay, It's the worst Duke three-point shooting team, a little over 30%, that Krzyzewski's ever had. They would be the worst three-point shooting team to win a national championship. Free-throw shooting, 13th in the ACC from the free-throw line. 
that's a problem. And then the youth factor, uh, boom, absolutely. You have to wonder how they're going to hold up. Look, the later you get into the tournament, the better the teams are, the more it becomes a possession-by-possession half-court game. And so to execute offensively and defensively in the half court to keep your poise, that's a big time question. But you know, all these teams have flaws. All these teams have questions. Nobody, nobody has that top shelf like Duke does. If everybody plays their best, Duke is the champion. Seth is absolutely right. One thing that is lost because everybody focuses on his highlight reel dunks and his followers on social media is the fact that he has become a really great basketball player. In fact, he's the best basketball player in college hoops. It's almost like it's a shame that he dunks so well because that's all everybody wants to talk about. They miss his passing. They miss his court sense. His defense is incredible. You can make the case that this is the best defensive team Mike Krzyzewski has ever had. And that says a lot because most people just kind of assume that physically he overpowers his way to the rim that at 6'7", 280, all he does is just mash. But he's actually a really sophisticated basketball player as well, and that skill set is what's making him so amazing to watch. So now we have our top four seeds. Duke is a one. UNC is a one. Virginia is a one. They're all from the ACC. Only the second time that's ever happened, three number one seeds from the same conference And it hasn't happened in a decade since the old Big East. The fourth number one is the outlier, Gonzaga. Not even a major conference player, but a team that was a top-ranked team at parts of this season. The number one team in the country at parts of this regular season. So what about the Bulldogs? Gonzaga plays in a mid-major conference, but they're a major team. Can we trust Gonzaga as that one seed Mully and Haw on 670 the score in Chicago. We're joined by Jerry Palm, CBS Sports Bracketologist. As I look at the, the three ACC teams in, among the number one seeds, and that, maybe that speaks to how good those teams are, or maybe when we look at the Big Ten getting the most teams in it, that's a more balanced conference. I don't know how you, you rate it, but Gonzaga wouldn't have been there. Tennessee would have been the uh, – the fourth team had they won, and so Gonzaga gets there. And Mark Few has done an amazing job of uh, of getting that program, uh, it, turning it into a national powerhouse. It, it's kind of amazing since taking over that job now. Whatever, what is it? Nineteen it's been at least years a decade. ago. Yeah, it's yeah. been. It's. I think he got there in ninety nine. Um, um, no, I don't think he's been there quite that long. I don't think he's been there twenty years. Uh, he did not start the build. It was I want to say Don Monson hmm. uh, started it. And then few, uh, one of the, the problems that programs like I have maintaining success is that whenever you get, you know, three years needed or whatever, someone's taking your coach. And then you've got to get another coach to sustain it. So Gonzaga's lucky that once their program had started its rise, that they got a guy like Mark View, who's happy to be a lifer at that place and happens to be an outstanding coach and able to build that program, you know, take what was already on the rise and keep it going to a level where now it's really an elite program in a non-major conference, but still an elite-level program. And it is an unusual story uh, in college basketball to have something like that sustained itself for so long. Jerry, there weren't a lot of teams or programs that had gripes about being left out. Was UNC Greensboro one of them who had a legitimate uh, complaint? And also, when you look at seeding, was uh, Cincinnati, who after winning the AAC conference uh, tournament, uh, deserving of their number seven seed. 
Well, I mean, look, else to blame at some point. There was a game you could have won that you didn't. There was, I think if Greensboro could get with, you know, 29 points of Wofford the first two times they played them, they played them great the third time, but just got annihilated the first two times. You know, they, and they didn't have their best wins are East Tennessee and Furman, non-tournament teams. I mean, they didn't beat anybody in the field. Greensboro didn't give the committee a compelling reason to leave them out, but they also didn't give them a compelling reason to take them. Um, as for Cincinnati, that's to me, that's the most questionable seed. However, it worked out well for them because they get to play in Columbus. So that's going to be – it may not be a Cincinnati home game because Tennessee will bring a lot of fans, but – but for Cincinnati fans and the Cincinnati program, really, you're better off being a seven in Columbus than, say, a six in Salt Lake. The fact that Loyola made it to a Final Four last year, everybody seems to be asking, who's this year's Loyola? And I don't know that there is a team out there that you can say looks like they're going to uh, pull off uh, whatever, three last-second shots. that about Loyola last year. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so how do we – determine who that team's going to be. I mean, it, a lot of things have to go your way in order to, to pull off that sort of a trip. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, if it happened every year, it wouldn't be news. Right. So it's not. It's most likely not going to happen this year. Yeah. You know, that, this year's Loyola is not there. Uh, that doesn't mean there aren't double-digit seeds that could win a game or two, and I think Belmont's one of them. Uh, Murray State with John Morant, an NBA lottery pick guard, uh, on a small school roster is unusual, and uh, although Murray State has had that kind of guy before, they Popeye Jones, if you remember, but uh, they might be able to win a game or two. They got a good draw, Marquette team that's really struggling. Uh, I think that uh, Murray could win a game. I think Liberty could win a game. Uh, I like New Mexico State to win one or two. Uh, you know, those are teams that 12, 13 seeds. You know, those are dangerous teams. Pretty much all of them are, are dangerous teams. Uh, UC Irvine, I think, is playing Kansas, uh, if I'm not mistaken. That's a really good team, and Kansas is a program that struggled this year to play away from home. Jerry so, Mullen, Kansas State, Kansas State, they're playing. Who's shorthanded? This is the part that's really tough about the Zags. It's that they are such an amazing story in college basketball. They are such a fun, heartwarming story. It's a mid-major conference. Really, at times, a low-major conference, depending on the year, except for Gonzaga. And year after year, Gonzaga is a top seed in the tournament with dreams of getting to a Final Four and eventually cutting down the Nets for a national championship. And this is Mark Few's best team, but is it going to be the team? Can we trust them after a year, a regular season, two months of playing lesser squads that didn't make the tourney? And they've got a power conference team waiting for them, perhaps in that round of 32 game. Well, that's going to be the problem. And until really Gonzaga, I think, cuts down the nets for a national championship, we'll always wonder if that road through their conference ultimately undoes them every single season. Around this time of year, there's always complaints. Somebody always has problems. A school that feels they got snubbed a coach that believes that his seating is not fair, somebody left out, somebody feeling screwed. So what about this season? Did the committee get it right? Here's Sean and RJ on Selection Sunday for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. All right, your four number one seeds. Duke is the overall number one seed. Uh, no surprise there. Virginia is the number two overall seed. I love how they finally did this where they announced the seed list 
Virginia, uh, North Carolina was number three overall. Gonzaga, number four. Tennessee was number five. Michigan State was number six. Kentucky, seven. Michigan, eight. I love how they did that. Uh, it made it much more crystal clear onto where teams went and why. So it used to be the overall one seed would get placed with the eight seed. So the best one would get placed with the worst two. That doesn't happen anymore. Now they do it based on geography. You go in order of your ranking as to the closest place possible. Okay, that's why Michigan State's in with Duke and not Michigan. I don't like that. I like it because it gives advantages to the higher seeded, the the the, the higher overall ranked teams to be closer to home. So that's that's I like that. Otherwise, you would have like the number five overall seed be out west, way away from where they are. You know, that's kind of how it works at, at, in, in a good spot. But I thought the committee did a good job in terms of the teams that got in. All right, they picked. They only picked two small school at-large teams, okay? Just two of them. That's okay. That's okay. I would have liked more. I would have liked Lipscomb to get in there. Uh, UNC Greensboro deserved it. But for the most part, I thought they they did it right. They didn't screw any of the seeds. They didn't screw at least the top seeds, okay? The the ones and twos, we all knew who they were going to be. There's nobody that should have been a one that was a two. There's nobody that's a two that should have been a one. There's no threes that should have been twos that aren't. The top two seeds are perfect. Okay. And they're in the right order. Nice. Okay, they're in the right order. Yeah, Where they listen to them were like, this is the best job the committee has done in years. They left out, I think he said, the cow pies that deserve to be left out. We didn't seem to have this controversy. We usually come in here today, and it's the fight for the team yeah. that got left out. Well, like if Belmont got left it out, sounded I think we like had the bottom tier teams were as bad this year as many years in the past. They call this a weak bubble, Sean. It's yes. a bad bubble. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, it happened again. Duke got an absolute cakewalk. Absolute cakewalk. If you are not Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, or Kansas, you will never get the benefit of the doubt. Period. And I feel bad for Royce Tar Heels. If they get to the Sweet 16, do you know what their reward is? Seriously. Kansas in Kansas City. Well, how the hell is that fair? Okay. How is that fair? This is like Duke playing South Carolina in Greenville a couple years ago. This is like Oklahoma in 2003 playing Syracuse in Albany. Not fair. Uh, my boys got to play Cincinnati in Columbus, Ohio, uh, in their second round. Well, gee, thanks, committee. You know, way to way to way to protect the higher seed. Hmm. Uh, but that's kind of the way it is. That's kind of the only problems that I had with how the committee did this. KU and Kansas City as a non-one seed should never happen. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You know, largely, I feel as though the committee did a really good job. One thing that stands out is the love that Kansas got, despite having a rocky season, missing players, not winning the regular season of the Big 12, not winning the conference tournament of the Big 12, and yet still getting a top four seed and a pathway through Kansas City 
basically their backyard with a home game or two in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. That, to me, was one where I said I can't get by with that. But for the most part, I think that the committee did get it right. There's always going to be somebody griping, but this year feels like there have been less gripes than we've had in previous seasons. Except maybe in East Lansing, Michigan, where Sparty is hot under the collar. This year, the Michigan State Spartans got a three-game sweep of Michigan, including in the conference championship game. And so going all out for a three-time sweep, three games, three wins over Michigan, and Michigan State got a two-seed while Michigan got a two-seed. So is this proof that winning the championship game of the Big Ten Conference doesn't really matter because it's too late in the process already? Here's 97.1 The Tickets, morning show, Jamie and Stoney weighing in. I think if Michigan had gotten like a three seed, I don't think Michigan State would care as much. I think they still would have felt like they'd gotten screwed, but I think the feeling that Michigan is in a more favorable situation than Michigan State really enrages Michigan State fans. I'm not talking about Izzo. I'm just talking about Michigan State fans, okay? I also believe that if the Big Ten Championship game were played on Saturday night instead of Sunday afternoon, that Michigan would not be in Duke's region. I believe that strongly. I think they are screwed by the fact that they played their game at 3.30 in the afternoon and the brackets come out at 6 p.m. There's just no way on God's green earth. The, 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 I mean, they were they're at the printers, if that's such a thing anymore. Yeah, but they, I mean, they, would have, they could have a... Here, if Michigan State wins, they're here. If they lose, they're here. That can all be set up beforehand. I don't believe they did that. Though. Okay, but I mean, that's yes. fine. But don't say that they, you know, they were waiting for it. They, you know, whatever. They were. Should, no. Give me, Give me any... What, what did Michigan, how did Michigan State benefit from winning the Big Ten tournament? They, did, they, they didn't. They didn't. I agree. Which, means, that, 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 which that, means the committee was done. For, for this guy to sit there and go, well, they leapfrogged Kentucky, bull. There's no, give me the proof of that. How is them leapfrogging Kentucky get them in Duke's region? Because they leapfrogged and, Kentucky because of his r- r- ridiculous rationale of geography, and we played the geography game. The geography game is. Washington, D.C. is closer for Michigan State than Kansas City is. By 100 miles. But I, look, Jamie. That's a lie. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It should be based on matchups, not on geography. And they did it this. It is based on matchups. No, match-up. it's based on geography. It's not based 100% on geography. Yeah, the the guy said it, and he proved it here. He didn't say it was 100% geography. Well, he said it's based on geography. And matchups. They want both. I mean, again, the Big Ten would be wise to get out of the Sunday afternoon game. I mean, it's, I an, it's, a, it's a nice high profile. You get Jim Nance, you get Grant Hill, you get Raft, you get Tracy Wolfson. You get all the attention and you get those broadcasts on Saturday afternoon, which is a nice primetime event as well. But the fact is your conference is getting screwed in the whole deal. And, and, and Izzo said as much. I mean, you can, you can accuse Izzo of being a whiner. I don't think he's whining. I think he's actually has legitimate criticism. But it sounds to me like one of his biggest public complaints is that the conference got screwed because, A, they played 20 conference games, they got eight teams in the tournament, they got the deepest to conference in the tournament, and this is the treatment they get with the ACC getting three one seeds and the Big Ten getting zero? That's a crock of crap. Well, it's the, that, the one seed I don't think is a crock of crap because I think those teams are better. And then you're going to sit there and, and figure out, okay, is it most deserving or the better team? And I think they took the four teams that probably have the best, the be- best teams right now. That, that's what I think. So I think they got the one seeds correct. But but I agree that they should not be in Duke's region. But the fact of the matter is that the guy said it's because of geography, and by literally, he's right. That's the way they did it. I don't agree with that. I think, you sh- I think they should go by – if Michigan State is the second 
number two seed, which they determined Tennessee was the first number two seed, then Michigan State should be playing North Carolina. It should be based on the snake. I think there's no doubt the fact that Michigan State can win the conference title and have beaten Michigan that many times this year and have the same exact seeding, I know there's got to be four number two seeds, but still, you have to feel as though it really didn't matter. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. It should be based on matchups, not on geography. And they did it this. It is based on matchups. No, match-ups. it's based on geography. It's not based 100% on geography. Yeah, the, the guy said it, and he proved it here. And so, yes, I think it's pretty obvious that schools that play on Sunday are at a competitive disadvantage when it comes to the seating later on that night. Over to the NFL. This season was a glorious one for the Kansas City Chiefs. The offseason, not so much. After the heart-wrenching loss against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, Justin Houston released. D. Ford is traded. Those are two of their best defensive players. Kareem Hunt released and then signed by the Cleveland Browns. And now Tyreek Hill investigated for domestic violence, perhaps injuring his three-year-old son. What does this mean in Kansas City, and what's next for Tyreek Hill? Here's Bob Fesco, Josh Klingler, 610 Sports in Kansas City, on the troubled Chiefs wide receiver. A lot of people over the weekend were putting that cart ahead of the horse and are out here saying he needs to be cut, he needs to be kicked out of the NFL, the Chiefs need to part ways with him. Well, the battle of public perception is much different than the battle of... right. Or 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 a court case, yes. What have you? No question. I mean, they're still going to have to. They're still going to have to to deal with that fallout, regardless. Right. I mean, there's probably plenty of people that have already had their minds made up. Yeah. As soon as they heard, as soon as they heard the story on Friday, I'm sure they said, "Ha, Tyreek Hill, huh? gone." Or there's probably plenty of people trying to defend you. Right. I'm not defending. I'm not. But Take, I'm not. You're finding him guilty right if, now if, either. If there if there's a charge, I know, I think I know where I stand. Well, if there's a charge, I don't want anything to do with him anymore. I, God, I'm with you. Goodbye. See you later. But if there's no charges in all this, and the and the cops end up looking at this, and they end up going, well, there's just really not enough evidence to charge him with anything here. We're talking about a three year old kid, and you know he may have been out of the country. At the, who who knows what what they're going to come back? Well, and with. then injuries involving and injuries involving kids happen every day of the and week, and they're but they're always investigated too, right? Yes, they are. Yes, like they a broken are. arms, a broken arm. Mm-hmm. So if there's a broken arm, there's an investigation. Right. And most of the time, those aren't public. Right. No, I one, mean, like, if your kid breaks an arm and goes to the hospital, they're not going to announce that we're investigating you because your kid broke his arm. They'll ask you, oh, what happened? Oh, he fell off the monkey bars. Oh, okay, fine. But there is on. an invest. Like, there is. There are questions asked. Yeah, absolutely. For everything yeah. like that, because so you have to make sure that that kid wasn't abused. And that's why he has a broken that's arm. That's a that's a that's a good process. Right. Um, this one's very public. Yes, you know, we'll see. Because I don't know it's happening to a a very famous individual right now, and so we'll have to wait and see what the authorities ultimately come up with. But if he does get charged with something, I, I would not have a problem with the Chiefs cutting him and moving on from Tyreek Hill. I think they they did their best to give him another opportunity. The NFL is going to suspend him. You know the NFL is because they suspend now when you embarrass the league. This is an embarrassing black eye for the National Football League. The Tyreek Hill, again, is involved in something like this. So you know the NFL is probably going to levy some sort of suspension on Tyreek Hill if he ultimately is charged uh, with something. So he's probably going to sit out maybe a game. Maybe I, I don't know what the suspension is going to be. Nobody I, don't knows. You, I don't think you can even guess at this point. No, you can't. But 
but I can tell you this, the, the, the talk of long-term contract for Tyreek Hill, that ship has sailed fast out of town, and that's not happening with Kansas City right now and should not be happening in Kansas City right now. Can you look yourself in the mirror and say, we're going to make this guy the no. highest-paid wide no, receiver in the NFL not. and feel good about no. it? You can't right now. I can't right and, now. And if I'm Chris Jones's uh, agent, Chris Jones, I am running to the Chiefs right now, like sprinting. Mm-hmm. Contract proposal in hand. Get my guy done now. Yeah, let's go. I do think it'll be interesting to see how this week unfolds, though, because as we talked about, you know, no charges have been filed yet. But if Tyreek Hill were to be charged, I still think there is a good faction of Chiefs fans that will be beating the drum for, I don't want to cut him just because he was charged with something. I want to wait until a conviction. So, Mm -hmm. like, it's gotten to that point, I think, with Tyreek Hill, not only his popularity here, but his status in the league, like, Fans get a little bit clouded because they understand what he can bring to the team. And I think that you start to try to throw up more and more objections to it. And that's not to say you shouldn't rightfully do that. But I think that you need to approach it a little more open-minded and and leave the football side out of it because we get so tangled up in that. And, you know, I kind of partially joking said this to you guys like you know we had always talked about and bob had been talking about how he didn't believe you needed to sign anybody long term the only guy that mattered was patrick mahomes and that was it i think you're going to advance that a little bit now you're going to be able to see that here pretty soon if patrick mahomes is able to uh to take this team without weapons like tyree kill and still be successful I mean, the one thing I can tell you is Tyreek Hill has cost himself millions of dollars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Millions of dollars. By, by having his name in a police report yep. and in the news the the a week ago being he could be in line for a record-setting deal. Not happening. Gone? Gone. This is why it's always so dangerous to assume anything when it comes to the future of an NFL franchise. Patrick Mahomes is amazing. And it feels like Mahomes will be the darling and MVP candidate for the rest of his career. But everything the stars had to align, everything had to go right for the Chiefs last season. And now look at the types of departures or potential suspensions or at least disruption within that organization. Add on to it a brand new defensive coordinator after Bob Sutton got the zig. And there's just a lot of question marks and unknowns about a team with the best record in the AFC last year. You can't assume anything of the NFL, not for a minute. And finally, Johnny Manziel is a pretty good example of that. Nothing taken for granted. Nothing can be assumed in the NFL. Johnny Manziel washed out of that league, washed out of the Canadian Football League, and ends up now in the alliance, the AAF's Memphis Express claim Manziel. Does this save a franchise that might have had one foot out the door already midway through its first season in Tennessee? Here's the Jeff Calkins show on 92.9 in Memphis. What I suspect Mike Singletary will say today. He's got to win the job. Is he's got to win the job, right? How long do you think it take for him to win the job for so, me? So will there be a huge rush to the ticket office for this week's game, home game, against the uh, against the uh Iron, I believe. I think you're 100% right. It's all dependent upon what is said at 2.30 today. Do we know if he starts? Yes. If he doesn't start, not a huge rush to the ticket office? No, I don't think so. People wouldn't go just on the, maybe I'll get the glimpse of him standing on the sidelines or coming in later in the game? Right. You're not going to just go buy, you're not going to spend money to go see him warm up. You need to know, if they want to take full advantage of this, you need to know he's a starter. Yes. 
And that's why today at 2.30, I would say we didn't bring this young man in. If they, if they, yeah, I kind of disagree with you. But if they, um, because it's Mike Singletary, but if they announce he's the starter, we expect them to be the starter Saturday. If they announce that, how, how many tickets does he sell? I think he sells at least double. So I think he sells at least 3,000 tickets. You don't think he sells 10,000 tickets? I don't think he gets to 10. I don't think he sells 10,000 tickets. Uh, but I do think it doubles. Three thousand more is all. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think five thousand more. I think there'd be six thousand people there, six seven thousand people there. It transforms something that was. I'll be honest. Let's be. Let, we have tried to be. You've tried to be fair to them. Give them a chance. Well, because it, it, here's the truth. At my core, from the moment they introduced this, mm-hmm. I was like, this thing ain't working in Memphis. No one wants a freaking minor league football team. There's about. 12 people out there who want a minor league football team. It's not working in Memphis. They totally misjudge the Memphis market. Memphis, soccer's going to work. Yeah. Uh, because there is a thirst for it. Football has been tried and tried and tried and tried again. We had moved on, baby. We had moved on. We now have a good college football program, and we had just absolutely moved on. And we'd moved on to the Grizzlies, and we moved on to bigger, better things, and we were not trying to chase minor league football anymore in the cold in February. Like, it just wasn't happening. Yes. It was not. It was never going to happen. And I, I never just came out and said what a stupid idea it was. And then, I'll be honest, I think they've done a crappy job of promoting it. Yes. Like, com- would- compare them to, to Memphis 901 FC, which is out there all the time. When have you heard about Michael Singletary being at a Rotary Club talking out? Never. 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 No. I mean, ever? Really? I mean, I don't know if he's ever been out. And Let maybe I'm, even, if if, want, even if he was, his personality chases people away. If I wanted to get someone important from Memphis 901 FC on the show, they had Matt, didn't they have Zach Mettenberg? I think the, uh, Jason and John had Zach Mettenberg. I think that's the only person I know that. Uh, but it's been terrible. I, they just like they're not engaged. They 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 they're not in the way that 901 FC is. They are not engaged in the community, and they had a much bigger, a tougher, they had a much tougher climb to begin with. And because because there was no desire for this team. Yes. And so they had to create the excitement. They did nothing to create the excitement by hiring Singletary, who's dull as dirt, and then by doing very little in the community. Yes. So it's been just a it's been a laughing stock. And then on top of it, they're a terrible team that doesn't score points and tried to to thrust. Christian Hackenberg on us. I think it's no coincidence that Johnny Manziel ends up with the Express. The San Antonio Commanders had his territorial rights because he played college at A&M and said thanks but no thanks. So was that the league? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay, you're going to decline him so that the next team can grab him and we need some juice in Memphis and that's the perfect story. It's a little too coincidental, a little too perfect, a little too good to be true to believe that there wasn't some type of lever pulling to get him in Memphis. But, hey, if that's what it takes to save spring football in Memphis with the Express, we'll take it. Johnny Manziel, billboards with the Alliance, now in your neck of the woods. That's going to do it for the best in your sports talk for Monday, March the 18th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey, everyone.
everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.